you are listening to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where you will get knowledge, training, resources, and support for better blood pressure control. If you are suffering with high blood pressure or blood pressure that is difficult to treat, this podcast is indeed for you. Here is your host, Dr. Tanya. I am Dr. Tanya, and I am here to teach you everything you ought to know about hypertension management. I am a clinical scientist, and I've done research over 10 years, and I've found some interesting things about hypertension and blood pressure control and medication-taking behavior. I would like to share with you all of the information I've found, as well as all the information that's out there that, that will help you get control of your blood pressure. Stick with me and we'll take this journey to help you improve your blood pressure. Thanks for listening. I know, I know. Your doctor said to stick to a low salt diet in order for your blood pressure to come down. (laughs) That is what The research has shown, matter of fact, research has shown that a low salt or low sodium diet will reduce your blood pressure because sodium, we know, increased blood pressure and especially in African-Americans and people who are 60 years or older. (laughs) And we know that the World Health Organization says that You should have less than 2,000 milligrams a day. The FDA says you should have less than 2,300 milligrams a day. And the American Heart Association is more strict about salt intake. And it says you should have less than 1,500 milligrams a day. So which is it? Which one should you adhere to? Well, It really depends. The American Heart Association is speaking to people with high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease. And the World Health Organization is just dictating, is recommending for the whole world, globally, everybody, just anybody um, without high blood pressure. And the FDA is just um, giving us the guidelines based on just the general public. So if you have high blood pressure, basically the American Heart Association is the one that you should uh, keep your sodium less than. That's less than 15 milligrams a day. But why should we why should we restrict our sodium to that much? Well, they are they are making these recommendations based on just the regular table salt, the, the regular table salt that is really our enemy, actually. So you don't want to use regular table salt. You want to use Himalayan salt. Now, there is some confusion about the sea salt versus Himalayan salt, but I'm going to tell you what I've learned is that based on the science, Himalayan salt are Celtic salt are the most pure salts and they are the most healthy salt. Now, our bodies need salt. I mean, there there are benefits to salt and we need salt. <laughs> Why do we need salt? We need salt in order to have the right 
amount of acid in our stomachs. In fact, Dr. Eric Berg, he is a chiropractor, but yet he's a health educator and he, he's an expert in nutrition. We as healthcare providers, we are not experts in nutrition. We are experts in medicine. So Dr. Eric Bird explained in his video, uh, Himalayan salt versus sea salt. He gives a very good explanation of why we should use Himalayan salt. And come on, he's an expert in nutrition. I'm not an expert in nutrition. So here is what he has to say about the benefits of salt in our bodies. We need salt. We need it to make hydrochloric acid in our stomach to actually kill off microbes, help us digest protein and assimilate minerals. Our adrenals need a certain amount of salt. Our immune system needs a certain amount of salt. If we're low on salt, the risk of getting insulin resistance goes up. Salt helps with hydration. Also, it's involved in the sodium-potassium pump, which is needed to power your muscles and your nerves and give us energy. Now, how much salt do we need? We need between one and two teaspoons, depending on your activity level how much you're sweating. But when you do keto, you want to do at least one teaspoon, if not a little bit more each day because of all the water weight that you're losing. And with the water weight loss comes a loss of electrolytes as well. He explains very well. He gives you a very simple explanation of why you want to avoid sea salt. And the reason why he says that you need to avoid sea salt is due to the fact that sea salt has microplastics in it. The general brand of sea salt has microplastics in it. And why are microplastics uh, dangerous? Well, microplastics are endocrine disruptors and it can cause problems with your hormones, which could bring your blood pressure up as well and cause other problems. So based on what he said, 90% of all brands of sea salt contains the microplastics. So you need to limit your exposure of, of sea salt to avoid these microplastics. Now, not all sea salt is created equal. Celtic sea salt is from France and Celtic sea salt does not contain the microplastics. So which salts should you use when you use salt? It should be either the Celtic salt, and that's spelled C-E-L-T-I-C, or it should be the Himalayan salt. And Himalayan salt is H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A-N. You can see this salt, this Himalayan salt, it, they sell it in the grocery store. Some stores don't even carry it. So you might have to go to a Whole Foods store or a Publix or some other type of uh, specialty store in order to get this salt. So I use Himalayan salt and it has never brought my blood pressure up. Now, of course, this is not medical advice. Check with your health care provider about what type of salt you should use. But basically, this information is based on research. And so this Himalayan salt is the best salt that you can use or the Celtic salt or the best salt. The Celtic salt and the Himalayan salt both have minerals in it. Table salt don't contain minerals usually. 
And you still can stick with one of those. You still can stick with the restrictions that are indicated. Try not to go above those restrictions. Um, just pick one, um, which whichever one. If you have high blood pressure, perhaps you should be under the American Heart Association restrictions, and that's less than 1,500 milligrams a day which is approximately a half a teaspoon. If you have kidney disease, then you should have um, less than, you should go with the World Health Organization recommendation. And the general rule is just avoid prepackaged foods, TV dinners, and if you want to eat that type of food, make sure you look at the package to see how much sodium it contains and take that, the amount that's indicated, and multiply it by the serving size that's recommended for that package. For example, if the package serving size is two and the sodium the sodium amount in the package is 500 if you're planning on eating the whole package then you multiply the amount of sodium by two so that you go by the serving size in the package and how much of the package that you're eating so make sure you stick with fresh foods or frozen vegetables keep in mind that frozen vegetables do not contain any salt what they do with the frozen foods when it comes down to the frozen vegetables that you get in the store are frozen fruit. They usually don't add sugar or salt to that food. It's frozen food, but it's not pre-prepared food like TV dinners. So don't get that twisted. Okay. Frozen, all frozen foods are not created equal. Let's just say that. Let's just say that some frozen foods, such as frozen vegetables, like frozen spinach, broccoli, you know, all the different veggies, they usually don't contain any salt. So make sure you look at the package to be sure of that. What they do, they pick the fruit or the veggie and then they freeze it so that it can last longer. And that is a way that you can make sure that you get these healthy veggies in your diet without worrying about uh buying these foods and the foods go bad. And that's the biggest thing about buying fresh foods. And the closest thing to fresh foods are frozen foods. So what you want to avoid are packaged foods like the TV dinners or the, the prepackaged foods that you put in the microwave. And you want to stay away from that kind of thing. Now, if you've eaten sea salt all the while and you're concerned about this microplastics that's in your body, not to worry, just uh, get with a good omega-3 vitamin and that can help eliminate the microplastics as well as getting your gut health in shape. Ask your doctor about a probiotic or um, some type of way or how you can get your gut healthy. Once you get your gut healthy, those microbes can handle the microplastics. And also uh, eating broccoli, cauliflower, kale on a regular basis can really help eliminate these uh, microplastics from your body. So just eat more of those veggies. Now, if you have thyroid problems, you might have to stay away from uh, those type of veggies. So ask your doctor about what 
which veggies can you replace to do the same the, the same thing? So what's the big deal with uh, microplastics anyway? And why should we be concerned about microplastics? Well, microplastics cause inflammation in our bodies and microplast and inflammation could cause uh, heart disease, Alzheimer's, it can cause diabetes, arthritis in your joints. Microplast uh, inflammation can cause autoimmune diseases, neurological diseases, pulmonary diseases, and cancer. So that's why you want to avoid uh, microplastics in your body. And again, the sea salt, the regular sea salt, uh, contains these microplastics. So what you want to do is purchase Himalayan salt or Celtic salt to get around this. So we know that salt is very important in our diet. And if we're getting enough exercise, then we can lose uh, ex- any excessive salt. Um, that we would have in our bodies. Now, according to uh, the science, um, there's a pharmacist that has a a book about salt, and I'll leave the uh, link to it in the description. What he has calculated based on the science is that he says that you lose one half teaspoon of salt for every hour that you exercise. And then He also, in his book, he has where he calculates exactly um, depending on the the temperature, depending on other factors, um, the amount of salt that you can lose if you exercise. Another way you can get rid of excessive salt from your body is to drink caffeinated uh, teas without sugar or caffeinated um, uh, coffee. You can get rid of salt in your body drinking caffeinated beverages. Now, make sure you don't add sugar to those beverages because then you'll defeat the purpose. Because we know sugar, sugar helps your body hold on to salt. And that that sounds kind of strange, but actually glucose helps sodium absorption in your gut. So sugar helps salt to absorb in your gut and it helps you hold on to more salt. So when we talk about a high salt diet, we're talking about more than just salt. And we're talking about um, the effects of sugar as well, because even you may have a low salt diet, but if you're eating a lot of sugar, you can increase your blood pressure as well. So um, just based on the fact that you are holding on to more salt and due to the fact that uh, sugar can cause your blood pressure to elevate as well. So why does sugar bring up your blood pressure? Well, now sugar brings up your blood pressure by inhibiting nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide is the most important vasodilator in our bodies. Our bodies make nitric oxide naturally. Nitric oxide improves the flexibility of our blood vessels. And you know what happens when your blood vessels are flexible. When your blood vessels are flexible, uh, that means they're not stiff. Stiff blood vessels increase blood pressure. So if you have uh, enough 
nitric oxide in your body, it can relax your blood vessels, reducing your blood pressure naturally. Now, nitric oxide, if you eat a lot of sugar, then you will suppress your nitric oxide. And this is what causes an increase in your blood pressure. You want to take sugar in moderation. So especially sugar in the form of high fructose corn syrup, eliminate high fructose corn syrup altogether. Any type of aerobic exercise can help you increase your nitric oxide. Dr. James D. Nicolantonio a doctor of pharmacy and a cardiovascular research scientist. And he has been doing research over 10 years on salt and other related topics. He has two books out and one is called The Salt Fix. And I do encourage you to get this book to get more information about what I'm talking about in this episode. Here is uh, what he has to say about it. He is an expert on nutrition and he has many publications on evidence-based nutrition. His publications are in peer-reviewed journals and he has published about 100 publications regarding several uh, nutritional topics. His research is out of the Preventive Cardiology Department at St. Luke's America Heart Institute. And he's done, like I said, lots of uh, research on uh, this topic of salt. Here is what he has to say about salt. Back in 1977, that's when we got the advice to eat a low saturated fat diet, eat a low fat diet, eat a low salt diet. Now, the Cochrane collaboration wasn't even established until 1993. So if you have any type of dietary goals or advice coming out before 1993, you can pretty much guarantee It's not level A, grade A evidence. And that's basically what happened. And so the the dietary goals told all Americans to consume just three grams of salt, which is 1.2 grams of sodium. And that's about what the American Heart Association still tells us to do, solely based on a few scientific opinions, not fact. So the main scientists that these dietary goals actually relied upon, Senator George McGovern and his committee, they relied on two scientists, uh, basically George Manili and Harold Botterby. They published a review paper the year before the goals came out, and they relied heavily on these two guys. And actually, what their paper actually said was two requirements had to be met for someone to actually have a rise in blood pressure eating a normal salt diet. One, you had to be genetically susceptible. Two, you had to eat a low potassium diet. Okay, and and if you didn't have those two requirements met, you didn't get any significant rise in blood pressure when you ate salt. Unfortunately, those those nuances didn't translate into the dietary goals because, you know what, complicated messages don't make for good dietary guidelines. And so they needed to keep it simple. They removed those two basically important nuances and said everybody should cut their salt intake because based on literally a minority of people who actually have a benefit, when the majority of people do not see a reduction in blood pressure when they cut their salt intake. And here's the really important part. Almost everybody has a significant rise in heart rate when they cut their salt intake, which is significantly greater than the reduction in blood pressure. So when you combine the two, blood pressure and heart rate, almost everybody is harmed. And that's not even getting into the surrogate markers of uh, increases in triglycerides. Literally, not getting enough salt causes insulin resistance, which can lead, obviously, to diabetes. Low salt increases the stress hormones, renin, aldosterone, angiotensin 2, which stiffen the arteries. Literally, low salt diets can lead to chronic hypertension. And so we fell at the feet of one surrogate marker, blood pressure, and we forgot about all the other surrogate markers that lowering salt worsens. 
basically, um, when you look at the actual, what happens to, let's say, someone with normal blood pressure and they cut their salt intake, they get about a 1% reduction in blood pressure, but they actually get about a 5 to 10% increase in heart rate. So when you multiply heart rate times blood pressure, that's what's giving you the overall stress on the heart and the arteries. And when you multiply the two, it's always significantly worse on a low salt diet. So by cutting your... So what he's saying is if uh, that salt is really not bad, it's not as bad as we thought it was. OK, it depends on what type of salt, like I said, what type of salt you're eating. And actually, just like I, I said before, the 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 TV dinners, the processed salt. Yes, of course, you want to avoid that. But just talking about just taking all salt out of your diet, uh, that is not evidence-based. Now, he went on to say that if you reduce the salt in your diet, um, the good salt that I talked about earlier, um, then you can reduce, you could possibly reduce your blood pressure about 1%, but also your increase in your heart rate, which is a stronger uh, risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So, it, so the science clearly supports the fact that you don't want to not eat salt. You want to eat the healthy salt. I know that sounds like, I know, I know, I know that sounds contraindicated. I know that sounds kind of against everything that you've ever been told about salt. But please, please do me a favor and get the book and read about these things and talk with your healthcare provider about these things. And that way you can get what's best for you. So that's all I have for you today. Thanks for listening. Get the book so you can get the facts and make sure that you eliminate processed foods from your diet and make sure that you eat real salt or cook with the real salt and that is Himalayan or Celtic salt. And still the signs say salt in moderation, but it's not as restricted as we normally thought. Exercise to lose the salt, get your gut health intact. Uh, you drink caffeinated teas if that's okay with your doctor or coffee so that you can lose some of the salt. Make sure you know the benefits of the salt. And overall, just stay away from prepackaged foods. Eat five fruit or veggies a day and drink your water, and I think you'll be just fine. So that's all I have for you today. Stay tuned to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where I'll tell you more about what everybody ought to know about hypertension and trending health topics. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.